This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Happy Monday. Today marks the second week of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's Canada-wide tour to reconnect with Canadians. It came as a response to the turbulence he's encountered because of that private helicopter trip to a private island owned by one of the world's richest men, the Aga Khan. Last week, Trudeau handled some tough questions on that and the whole cash-for-access controversy the Liberals are mired in. And when the topic turned to our sky-high hydro rates, he was able to deflect, saying it's a provincial issue and giving the poor woman questioner who works 15 hours a day to pay for power a hug instead of a solution. Have a listen. A lot of different elements come into your, into your question. A, a number of them are provincial. Uh, hydro bills are uh, provincial. But as you point out, uh, the, federal, uh, the, the federal government's decision to put a price on carbon uh, is something that we have uh, moved forward with. It is important that those changes happen in a way that doesn't penalize our most vulnerable, that doesn't make it more difficult for families who are already stretched thin uh, to succeed. And that's one of the reasons why what we're doing with the putting a price on carbon is we are leaving it up uh, to the provinces to determine whether uh, a carbon tax uh, or a levy or a cap-and-trade system is right for them. And on the other hand, we are not taking any money outside of the jurisdiction that pay those carbon taxes. So it will be up to the government of Ontario to ensure that you are not penalized. What is so important is that in this time of transition, we do not penalize people who are already uh, stretched uh, to, and in some cases, uh, beyond the breaking limit in terms of their finances. And that's why uh, being smart about uh, how we, uh, how we reallocate that, those funds uh, is essential, and that's what we're leaving it in the hands of the provinces to do, and I'm, I'm uh, trusting they will do that uh, responsibly and not uh, penalize you further and challenge you on that. Well, of course, that woman was in tears when she asked that question, and she got a hug at the end of it. And I have to say, it looks to me like the strategy is working. Trudeau is getting credit for taking these questions. He's in Dartmouth today, and they had to move to a 3,000-seat arena because of overwhelming demand to get into the event. So what do you think? Is he just using his charm to deflect the criticism? After all, the ethics commissioner says he might have violated multiple sections of conflict of interest guidelines in this. Uh, he must have, uh, he probably violated them. He did not ask in advance. The numbers again, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And right now, let's hear what some of his critics are saying. Michael Tobe is one of Stephen Harper's former speechwriters. Michael, hello. 
Hey, Libby, how are you doing? Fine, how are you? Very good, thank you. Well, what do you think of uh, Justin's reconnection tour? (laughs) It's nice for him to reconnect so late in the game. Um, Look, partisanship aside, I don't think there's anything wrong, obviously, with having a cross-country tour. The theory of the town hall meeting, which, as you and some of your listeners may know, sort of originated in the early days of the United States, or colonial America, if you wish, is regarded as probably the most democratic form of a citizen going to a location and being able to ask a question from his or her political leader, in this case being Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. I think the strategy is perfectly fine, especially because one of Trudeau's strengths is that he is a people person. He does obviously resonate a lot with young people. He's obviously youthful, gregarious. All of that works to his advantage. The weakness that he has obviously had from the very beginning, <laughs> Libby, is that Justin Trudeau, when it comes to the actual policy matters and gnashing through all of the material related to political and economic matters, that is not one of his strong suits. In fact, it's one of his weakest suits. And, for example, just to use the example that you gave right at the very end, when he addressed that woman about the problems that she's having, obviously with her cost of living and the rising hydro costs, he's right, Justin Trudeau's right to say that obviously this is a provincial matter. If you look at sections 91 and 92 of the Constitution, it divides federal and provincial responsibilities, and hydro definitely falls under that wing. But simply to say that it's a provincial matter and that using a carbon tax among other things, is going to be a weapon against raising, rising costs and that provincial governments will work with us to keep things down, and then giving her a hug at the end, well, that certainly creates some sort of empathy for people who like Justin Trudeau and who like the federal liberal agenda. For those of us who are his critics, and I'm certainly one of them, it doesn't add anything to the equation because, one, many conservatives have criticized a carbon tax in general as being an unnecessary tax to add to the system, and B, giving a person a hug doesn't basically resolve the problem. She still has those financial issues. She will still have that burden under a carbon tax tax or cap-and-trade or something to that effect. So, well, yes, obviously, just from a, a, a communications point of view and a visual point of view, it looks nice to see the Prime Minister hugging a, a fellow Canadian. It doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. And even with these large rooms that he's having, such as the one you talked about in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, it's fine because obviously there's lots of liberals in Atlantic Canada and they want to come out to meet and greet him. Perfectly okay. But to say that it's actually working to his benefit and this is going to increase his numbers overall and make him look different, I really argue with that. Well, uh, I mean, it might not change anything in terms of the policy, but it, it certainly uh, seems to be changing how people are viewing him because people who were... Some of the people who asked him very tough questions last week about that holiday and the private helicopter trip, uh, they gave him credit for taking the question, and they like the hugs, and and, uh, it seems to be working in terms of winning people over or deflecting the criticism. Would you disagree? Well, I would disagree only simply because town hall meetings, the way that they're structured, as I think people know who've actually attended them, Libby, is that there is actually no way for a politician to deflect attention away from the question. Like, in other words, to say that hydro is a provincial responsibility, while accurate, does not deflect it away. To sort of try to justify certain things about going with the Aga Khan or using his plane to go off to one of his islands, which now the ethics commissioner has come back and said that they're investigating pretty heavily, 
which leads me to believe that whatever popular numbers or the bump that he's had recently or he's enjoyed for the past few days, it might de- deplete itself very quickly based on this recent revelation. Yes, obviously, you have to tackle the question in a different way. The one thing a town hall meeting obviously does do is it teaches a politician or a political leader to be fast on his or her feet and to answer a question, I would say, in a more direct fashion, even if it's not necessarily the best way to do it, because you have to address it to some extent. But the answers that usually come out in town hall meetings, unless you're a really skilled politician, can be a bit weak and can be a bit off-putting. I found that the answers that Justin Trudeau has provided, in an, you know, I'm obviously partisan, but the way I look at it, it didn't really resolve matters at all. If anything, he was daring to sort of skirt issues as best he could. If that convinces Canadians that he's okay or that he's handling the issue or it wasn't quite that bad, yes, it works to his advantage. But if you look at it line for line, word for word, paragraph for paragraph, it really, in my view, doesn't emphasize anything other than I'm trying to use the town hall meeting to my advantage, which is great, but I'm not providing answers that are going to necessarily shut down my critics, because quite frankly, the system, and that being the ethics commissioner, is going to possibly prove me otherwise. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when he was uh, defending himself on that, he was saying, well, hey, you know, that private helicopter is the only way to get to that private island. So yeah. Yeah, I know. I know what he said. I mean, well, there's also the other argument that why did he go in the first place? The Aga Khan actually does come into Canada quite a fair bit. We know it. I mean, in Toronto alone, he actually does have a museum not terribly far from where many of us live. And the Aga Khan obviously comes into Ottawa quite, quite often. There were ways to do it without traveling on a, as you say, a private helicopter to a private island to meet there and have a little bit of fun in the sun while you're obviously doing some sort of a business meeting. It just doesn't look good, Libby. And well, he said he was on holiday. I don't know if he was doing business. Sure. That would be a problem. Well, I agree with you, but on the other hand, when you're meeting with someone like that, especially with all the problems he recently had with his fundraisers and some possible Chinese investors and other people as well, I think it just looks very bad overall. I mean, the whole pay-for-play argument, which really hammered Hillary Clinton very badly in the United States and the Clinton Foundation, and even her Donald Trump to some extent as well, it just doesn't sell or resonate very well with people because you want there to be as much open access to our politicians as possible. And when you fly off to a private island in a private helicopter to meet the Aga Khan, no matter how nice the man may be, that sort of thing just doesn't, I think, resonate very well. And I think it's very hard for his senior advisors to spin that away, even if he tries to justify it a million and one different ways. He still did it, and that's the issue. Well, yeah, except, you know what, I say, I mean, people, do you not realize that he's like uh, what we used to call a jet setter and a Mm -hmm. celebrity, and and, uh, that's what we elected? Sure, but that doesn't justify anything. Adrian Clarkson, as you remember, the former governor general, was also a jet setter and celebrity, and she got heavily criticized when she took a lot of her friends on this million-dollar flight over to Europe in a private jet. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, but, but she I'm... doesn't have to get elected. <laughs> no, I agree with you, absolutely. What I mean is that being a jet setter or a trendsetter is nice and there's nothing wrong with it, and I'm not going to come out here and start bashing people who are, but I don't think it necessarily justifies the fact that that's the way you look at the world and that's the way you want to operate. Exactly. As a politician, you have to operate differently, and you have to be deferential to the needs of the people, and in this particular case and others, I don't think Justin Trudeau is being that at all. 
Okay, yeah. Let's hear from uh, a couple of our callers who have a lot to say. We've got Simone in Toronto. Hi, Simone. Hi there. Um, your guess is exactly right. The guy is, uh, you know, the, the emperor has no clothes. The, he, uh, that woman that was, uh, you know, who was uh, crying and said she only had $65 uh, left for food uh, for two weeks uh, in, in Alberta, and he goes and gives her a hug. Well, you know, she's still going to have $65 left. Uh, it was it was here in Ontario, and uh, that's a whole other issue. She lives outside Peterborough, and there are a lot of areas where natural gas is not available, yes. and their bills are huge because they're all electrical bills. That's right, and the carbon tax is going to hurt her even more. Absolutely. And, you know, this is Australia, or this is Canada, like Australia, where they, they tried the carbon tax, and it cost them $8 billion a year. Uh, after two years, they canceled it because they said it wasn't making that much difference, and like Canada, they don't have uh, uh, produced much, uh, um, you know, uh, emissions, uh, uh, or you know, and uh, like their pollution. As it's China, America, or the States, and uh, India, perhaps, and uh, Russia. They, that's where the the pollution comes from. But he just wants to show off, so he wants to uh, put in this carbon tax. He wants to show off on the world stage, like he's doing something big for for uh, you know pollution. And uh, and then the access for cash thing. He feels he seems to think, well, I'm a Trudeau, I'm untouchable, I can do anything I want. And that's, you know, with the Aga Khan thing and all that, this is his attitude. Well, so I see that it's it's not working with you, Simone. No, absolutely not. I don't like didn't like his father. Uh, he was a far leftist NDP or communist sympathizer, and uh, he did a lot of things to social engineer Canada. And no, I have no use for the Trudeaus. Okay, Simone, thank you for your call. Thank you. Okay, Lubor Zink would be proud of that statement, by the way. Pardon? <laughs> Lubor Zink would be proud of that statement, the, <laughs> the late Toronto Sun columnist, because that's the way he viewed just Pierre Trudeau as well. Okay, let's go to uh, Jim in Hanover. Hi, Jim. Hi. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, I just wanted to make a comment. When that lady that was crying, when she finished her sentence, she mentioned that uh, the uh, carbon tax. And Trudeau said... That's not kicking in for two years. There is exact words. Even my wife looked at me and I looked at her and I thought, well, all this hype right now we've got with gas going up, they're blaming all on carbon tax. No, the carbon tax, uh, the carbon tax kicked in in Ontario January oh, so 1. Not federal. Yep. Well, he's the one that's pushing for it. Well, yep, and so is Kathleen Wynne. Yeah, I don't know why. And, and this not saying there that no money's leaving the provinces. Well, it's supposed to be good. Four hundred million going to California. Well, well, yeah. Well, he's he's saying that uh, it we should have a carbon tax, but it should be put in a way that it's not going to hurt anybody. Well, why doesn't the government just turn around and find out these main polluters and uh, fix their help them fix their problem? You you have to go to a town hall and ask the government. Using the money to do anything. Yep. So that's my point, because, I mean, we're all Canadians, and then uh, when it comes to Trudeau, he separates us all. No, no, you're from Ontario, you're from B.C., you don't count, you're not a Canadian. That's the feeling I get from him. And if you live in Ontario, well, that's your problem. Okay. That's the feeling I get from him. Okay, then. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay, Uh, let's go to uh, Nick in Oakville. Hi, Nick. Hi there, how are you? Fine, how are you? Okay. Uh, first of all, if Crudo goes to the Aga Khan's island, who cares? Well, it's apparently a lot of people, you don't think it's worth making a fuss over. No, I don't, because he's going to have to deal with billionaires, and he's going to have to deal with the ordinary people, which is what he's doing by going to these town halls. 
Now, whether or not he answers any questions when he goes there, that's another story. But, you know, he's known the Agra Khan since he was a kid. He's, it's a family friend. Right. Besides, he's got a museum in Toronto as well, doesn't he? Yeah, and he gets, uh, he gets, he's registered as a lobbyist, and he gets yeah, a lot of money from really, the government. Yeah, and his charity is legit, right? Like, there's yep. nothing ever been said about it, you know, any wrongdoing or anything. They so. do good work. They do good exactly. work. So what's the problem? And it's private. Nobody, we're not spending any money. Well, that's that's probably not exactly true because he has to have security and all of that stuff wherever he goes. Well, that's the price you pay for a prime minister, no matter where he goes, isn't it? Okay, so obviously you don't think it's a big deal. Um, What do you think of the ethics commissioner saying he's probably violated multiple sections? I don't know about that. I I don't know what the sections are, what they say exactly, but... I don't know. I don't see what the big deal is, personally. I think it's... He's known the guy all his life. Mm-hmm. He's going to his house. He's on a holiday. Whoop-de-doo. He's going to have to hobnob with rich people anyway. Sooner or later, he's got to talk to these people. Every time he talks to them, oh, well, you shouldn't be talking to them. Well, I don't yeah, understand. It's, a, it's a question of how much money has changed hands or favors or that well, stuff. Well, that's what they're saying, if there were any business dealings happening while he was there. Well, you don't know that. And the fact of the matter is... You don't know what these people are talking about behind closed doors. Any one of them, including your previous co- co- commentator, was there, the PC guy. Okay. You know, you know oh. it's like, it's a big to-do about nothing. And when it comes to hydro, we already know, like, they've just made a mess of it. You know, for years and years of whatever, not keeping tabs on things and letting money flow. I know people that work at hydro. I knew a guy that worked at Lakeview Generating Station in the tool crib, which is where they would hand out tools to the workers. They would hand out tools. They would disappear. They wouldn't come back. Nobody said anything. There's a $400 tool. Bye. You know, it's there's no oversight. There's people, they just do what they want, and they go through money like 90. Okay, Nick, thanks for your call. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, uh, I think a lot of people agree with Nick, and they think uh, even if they don't like what Justin Trudeau did, they don't think this is a big enough deal. Uh, But a lot of people think it's uh, really the wrong thing for him to be doing. So we're going to have to see how that turns out. Uh, We're starting to run out of time for this segment, so I'm going to try to quickly take a call, and then we uh, can wrap up with Michael Tobe. So uh, we have... Jerry in Burlington. Hi, Jerry. Hello. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? Good. Good. A couple of uh, issues with this. First of all, um, the fact that our government gave Aga Khan $55 million for good cause, but still, it's a gift yes. from our money. Well, it's not a gift, but it was a grant, yes. It's a grant, sorry, yes. And um, this trip um, is, uh, kind of smells like uh, a... a um, uh, reward or, you know, like, uh, uh, you'll do this for me and I'll do this for you. Well, that's, exactly. That's I mean, you know, if you're a politician, yes, you should have private time, but you have to understand the optics of things. Exactly. And the the thing that surprises me is, so he has all these uh, hotshot young people advising him that there was no one there who said, you know what, why don't you think twice about doing this? It, it really it, doesn't look good and and you know 
whether it's substances, substantive or not, and whether he's known the guy all his life, he's still taking a holiday that's kind of worth a lot of money. Exactly. And, and uh, that brings me to my other point, and that is uh, the uh, arrogance of um, uh, Justin, because he knew very well that what he was doing was not uh, proper, that he was breaking the rules. And, uh, but he did it anyway, because he just doesn't care. He does his, and it wasn't because of his ignorance. He knew it. But he, and that's what bugs me, is that he did regardless, and basically he's saying, and, and that's why he instructed his office not to release any information, and it was very difficult to pry all that information, like where he is, and actually with this Aga Khan and all that, piece by piece, piece because the prime minister's office would not, would just say, no, 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 it's his private um, time, and, you know, that's none of your business. Well, in this case, it is. Okay, and well, I, I, I'm going to have to wrap things up, Jerry. Thank you very much for your call. Thanks very much. Okay, well, that's um, one of the things that we're going to have to see is uh, whether he ends up saying that he didn't know that this was a conflict. Jerry thinks he knew darn well, but that remains to be seen. Uh, we're going to be moving along in a moment. I just want, um, Michael, uh, what yeah. would you like to leave us with? Sure. I mean, obviously, that's a very small sampling. You just spoke to four people, and obviously we don't know ideologically where they fit on the spectrum. But I think what it does show very quickly, Libby, is that there is obviously some frustration out there with the way that Justin Trudeau has been handling his affairs more recently, or what's been recently revealed. And it actually may have, as time goes along, an impact on this cross-country tour that he's doing with various town hall meetings. So I think the thing that's kind of fascinating is if, the, if some of your callers are not necessarily small-c conservatives like myself and sort of fit everywhere on the political spectrum, it does show Justin Trudeau and the liberals that even in this little tiny sampling, clearly something is going wrong and they need to change the channel pretty quickly or else this is going to spiral. Okay. Michael Tobe, thanks so much. My pleasure, Libby. Take care. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.